Hello, readers. My name is Jason Jeffries, and I am your host for Bookin, presented by Quail Ridge Books, Raleigh, North Carolina's trusted community bookstore. My guest today is New York Times best-selling author Terry McMillan. She is the author of the fantastic hit novels Waiting to Exhale and How Stella Got Her Groove Back, amongst many more. Her latest novel is It's Not All Downhill From Here, published by our friends at Ballantine Books. Terry, welcome to the program. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. It's an honor to have you here. And Terry, before we get into the specifics of your wonderful new novel, I want to ask you a question that I'm asking other authors in these strange times, and it is a two-part question. Firstly, how are you personally handling the situation uh, surrounding the coronavirus? And secondly, how are you approaching the marketing of your book at this time? Uh, Well, one... um I think I'm doing what everybody else is doing. I just got, uh, my neighbor just brought me a brand new mask. She's Korean, mm-hmm. and she was going to buy a few of them, but they wouldn't let her. Only there's a limit to one, and I have friends who are making them. Um, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm staying inside. Um, I only go to the store during um, senior citizen hour. Mm-hmm. Whole Foods in my grocery store. And, you know, I was standing in that line before, and I was thinking, you know, why are all these people in the line so old? And then I realized I was one of them. <laughs> uh, this was like two weeks ago mm-hmm. when when things were just getting really started as far as groceries and, you know, how we were going to do this. But, you know, um, I'm cooking more. Um, I'm starting to read other people's novels. Hallelujah. Mm. And just making phone calls to people to make sure they're safe and that they're okay and that they're not alone and they're doing what they need doing. And if they need any help financially, whatever, that I, you know, I know how to use Western Union online. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great, Terry. And how are you approaching the marketing of your book right now in this strange time? Well, you know, I don't know if, I don't know if I am marketing. I mean, I went on Twitter Mm. and Facebook just to say, well, the book is out. And, you know, uh, thank you for your support if you're interested or if you if you ordered the book, I hope you like it. Mm. And I'm just I I will try to do whatever I can online to reach out. But I just really, you know, I mean, as, as, as excited as I am and as disappointed as I was, I knew about almost a month and a half, two months ago, that this this book tour was not going to work. Mm-hmm. And that what's happening in the world, what's happening in the United States, is much bigger than a book tour. And so I was pretty much the one that suggested that we need to just cancel this. First I started with Seattle, and then I just kept growing. And I said, this does not look good. Mm-hmm. And rather than risk my life and other people, they can't stand next to each other, so let's just not do this. And my publisher, of course... Agreed, and I was disappointed, but you know, it's a good time to read. It is, it is, and I do want to take a moment to remind our listeners that we are offering free shipping here at Quail Ridge Books, and we do have copies of Terry's new book with signed book place. You can order those at www.quailridgebooks.com. Terry, the next thing I want to ask you about is the epigraph in this book. It's not all downhill from here. The quote at the beginning of the text reads, you cannot go back and change the beginning, but you can change the ending. Can you talk about this quote and why you chose it 
Well, you know, the, the, the thing is this. Um, I think because I really do believe it, I don't know where it came from, and we tried searching, but we couldn't find it. So we just, my publisher said it was okay just to use it. I mean, they, they did a lot of research, and I can't remember where I found it, but I knew wherever it was that, that I did read it. Um, I realized that that's really how our lives should be that if we just wallow in self-pity or worry about the past and what's happened in the past that we can accept some responsibility for making changes in our lives so that we are the ones responsible for the outcome whenever possible and you know some things are hard to get over let's face it Mm -hmm. okay so i'm not trying to pretend portend that there is that this is all magic but we can accept some responsibility for our lives and try to do whatever we can to do what we can to enrich our own lives and to determine how we're going to end up. And whatever we try to do, I think, I don't know, that's, that's not saying it the right way, but I think that I don't even know how to say this. I don't want to say wallow in self-pity because that's kind of tacky and I don't really mean it. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. I think sometimes we, we, we look back with more than we look forward. And there are some things, some tragic things that have happened to a lot of us in our lives that make it hard. But the bottom line is we have a choice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need to exercise that choice about our own sense of well-being and psychological strength and all of that. And just say, look, I'm not going to be buried by all of this BS. And I still have a future. There is a future in my future. And let's, let me try to own that. Right. Thank you so much, Terry. And this book opens up with Louisa Curry, Mrs. Lowe to some, Mama Lowe to others. And Lowe is stating at the opening of your book that she does not want another surprise birthday party. She's talking to her husband, her third husband, Carl, on the phone. She's with her dog, B.B. King, and she is eating Twizzlers. Um, she's about to turn 68 years old. Uh, Terry, does Lowe really not want a surprise birthday party and what made you decide to name her dog bb king i don't know what they mean I, I i don't know i really don't know it just came out i do not know i knew i didn't want him to have a regular name uh-huh. of you know typical doggy name mm. and i don't even know I'm, I'm telling you people don't understand that when you're writing a story some of the stuff just comes out on its own it's mm. not pre-planned i didn't take notes and decide that you know, I was going to name um, her dog after a musician. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen that way. But um, she doesn't really want a birthday party because she said it. They're boring. Mm-hmm. And let me do something different for a change. Um, and she didn't really want it because it's always the same people and it's a small party. And I think that was meant more that she was looking forward to other things in her future that she wasn't at the point where she just wanted the same old thing ever you know year after year after year and i gave her credit for that i didn't i didn't just well i guess i did arbitrarily decide it for her Mm. or she decided that she wanted to shake it up a little bit to me it said something about her age that if that she wasn't thinking of herself as just an old lady Mm-hmm. She still was interested in change and doing something new. 
Absolutely. Thank you, Terry. And the, her love for Twizzlers kept jumping out at me. I love Twizzlers. They are fat-free and vegan. And listeners, do not let anyone take your Twizzlers away. Um, <laughs> Terry, the first time the title of your novel comes up is on page 11, where we have a passage with our protagonist, Lo Curry. She's watching footage of a uh, former party, and she thinks, As I sit watching my party on screen, I realize that all of my friends are retired except me. That's probably why most of them are bored. It's like they're sitting around waiting to die, but I do not subscribe to the belief that it's all downhill from here. Life isn't over at 65. I feel like a car. As long as I change the oil and rotate the tires, I can get plenty more mileage out of it. Easier said than done. Terry, this is quite possibly your novel's thesis statement, if it has one. Can you talk about this passage and the mistaken notion that life is over at 65? Well, I think Larissa just pretty much said it. And I think in real life, I I sort of subscribe to that belief. If there's one thing that I gave Larissa was my own sentiment and my own belief. Hmm. Um, I mean, so many people that I know have passed away that are younger than I am. Hmm. People in my family, even friends, that really, as far as I'm concerned, shouldn't be gone. Hmm. And... You know, years and years ago, I was diagnosed uh, diabetic, but I was eating like you wouldn't believe mm. um, things. And I didn't, I wasn't, you know, it was about maybe 12 years ago. Mm. And I ended up realizing that, you know what, this stuff could kill me if I don't stop doing all of this, uh, some of this stuff. I mean, I wasn't, I haven't, I don't drink. I haven't had a drink in 38 years. Mm. Um and, you know, I have a pretty good diet, but, but back in the day, I was killing cheeseburgers, French fries, Twizzlers, good and plenty. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't think that they would lead to anything until my doctor told me, you know what, your, your numbers are off the chart. And that did it for me. I mean, they put me on medication and then I subsequently ended up stopping. And I realized that then... Um, when I stopped taking the medication, I changed my diet, exercise. I mean, I used to exercise, but not the same way. And I just realized, you know what? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not coming. Out, I'm not going to out this way. No, I don't want to die because of something that I did to myself, mm-hmm. or because of neglect or laziness, and and ignorance shouldn't even come into play because we can read. We read everything else on the internet, and um, so I just decided that I would take a lot more responsibility. And that's sort of how I, I gave, I think, Loretha, to some extent, that my, my own beliefs. But I also made it so that it's not as easy as it sounds to do. And it's a, str- it, it's, it's a struggle for a lot of us to make changes in our lives, period. I don't care what it is. And so I just wanted her not to fit the stereotype that you know because i know a lot of older people when a doctor tells them something they just believe it and they give them all these pills and they just take them and then the next thing you know one pill counteracts another pill i've watched this and you know i think on some levels too that i'm i never really felt my age based on people that i grew up with and around me i just never felt that way and you know I've always kind of exercised and, you know, I still used to love cheeseburgers and all that, but I just wanted to write about a character who was not afraid of her future and that she was going to win so that when she did leave, hopefully she was going to slide into home. Nice. 
Thank you so much, Terry. Uh, listeners, we're going to take a break for a word from our sponsor, and then I will be right back with Terry McMillan. The Book and Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore, Quail Ridge Books. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a much different story. One that supports community. Listeners of Bookin can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter Bookin, B-O-O-K-I-N, in the promo code space. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. I'm back with Terry McMillan, author of It's Not All Downhill From Here, published by our friends at Ballantine Books. Terry, I want to talk about the big turn that your novel takes after chapter one. Uh, before we even get there, or when your protagonist is remembering her friend Faye, she thinks, and I quote, It takes longer than I ever imagined to accept that someone you've known all your life is not alive anymore. And then, of course, and this is a spoiler alert, listeners, pause your devices if you haven't read this book yet. I will give you one more second to reach down and press pause. Okay. Uh, And then, of course, Loretha's husband, Terry, Carl, dies at the end of chapter one. What follows is a powerful description of grief and the grieving process. There is a lot of great literature on grieving. Uh, Joan Didion's A Year of Magical Thinking, James Agee's Uh Death in the Family, and on and on. And I believe that your book um, falls in line with these. Uh, And Terry, I know you have lost friends and a close family member in the past, as you mentioned earlier, so you are no stranger to the grieving process. Can you talk about what it means to inhabit your characters through these feelings? Um, well, I'll put it this way. What, what Loretta is feeling, what I tried to capture was, you know, a few years ago, I lost my sister and my younger sister and it'll be three years in June. And I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. And I really, I really couldn't move. Um, I, I couldn't get out of a chair. Mm-hmm. Because and I kept hearing this over and over and over again, and it was a, it was almost as if you're like sleepwalking, and you're sleepwalking inside of someone else's bad dream. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just um, I'll put it this way: in this book, I felt Loretha's loss. I. I, I, I became her while I was telling this story and she loved this man and I didn't know this was going to happen I never know what's going to happen and when they got out of this when when he when they got out of that golf cart and where well, he didn't and he said he forgot something I was like oh my god he is not oh my god I was a mess and and I just I don't know. Um, I mean, I literally was a mess. I didn't write anything for a while after that. Mm-hmm. I just I just you know I'll put it this way. Afterwards, I did write the the um, repast sort of as they call it. Mm-hmm. You know when people come by and all that. Um, and I was there. It was 
I, I mean, I know what it's like when you get those phone calls. You know, Terry, I want to tell you, you know, your aunt or because I was in I was in Rome when my mother passed away at 59 on a book tour, believe it or not. Mm. And I was going to buy her a pair of shoes that I'd seen earlier that day. And I had spoken to her because I was supposed to be going to the White House. President Clinton had invited me. Mm-hmm. But I had a hot date coming from New York. And I told my mother I couldn't come. And she said, you better go. Mm-hmm. You better go. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, Mom. Okay, okay, okay. Later that night, my phone rings because my mother had asthma. And I got this call from the emergency room from a doctor telling me that my mom had just passed away. And I was like, I, 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 I will never forget that. Mm-hmm. I went 12 hours without opening my mouth without drinking any water. I had to take two planes. And I just couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. And there's something that happens to you, especially when a a death is unexpected. And um, I think that I remembered that when I was telling this story. Um, But there's a difference when, when you, I mean, she was in love with this man and she married him late in life, later in life. And this was her birthday. Mm-hmm. Right. Thank you, Terry. And to keep spinning off of this question a little bit, there's a surreal moment during the celebration of Carl's life in this novel when Loretha is looking at all of the photos of Carl in high school, Carl as a football player, Carl during their wedding, and then Lowe's family is also approaching her at this incredibly difficult time to deal with unrelated family business, debts owed, etc. Uh, can you talk about these types of family dynamics and what this particular scene tells us about Loretha's family? <laughs> They're like most families. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, there's there's angst in a lot of families, and sometimes people have sense a sense of entitlement, especially... You know, um, I, I wanted I wanted a host of characters that were there. That there was this 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 I don't know angst, and there were all these different dichotomies where the characters, even though they're family, that they're not anything alike. Mm. And 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 in Loretha's case, her sister, um, whose name I can't even remember right now. Mm. Um, is the complete opposite of her to some extent and they don't get along Mm -hmm. and there are a lot of these kinds of issues in families and i had to make most of these characters i had to give them their own personality and their own issues but i tried to use realistic issues because in almost every family it's not like donna reed you probably is too young to remember that Mm -hmm. but um you know it's not a sitcom it's, mm-hmm. it's not a television show. It's, it's real life, how people react to each other. And especially in a family. Every, fam- every family member does not get along with the other one. They, don't, they love each other, but not, they don't all necessarily like each other. And I, I've seen this. I'm not saying it's true in my family, but I've seen it. And, you know, sometimes family is a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you, Terry. And um, 
though I am a bit too young to have watched Donna Reed in the original airings, I do <laughs> remember growing up seeing Donna Reed um, in reruns on Nickelodeon and Nick at Night um, and all of this, which also kind of dates me a little bit, I think. Um, but, Terry, besides Lowe's family, Carl's family is also at this celebration of Carl's life, including much of his family from Flint, Michigan. Uh, of particular interest is the character Kwame. Can you tell our listeners about Kwame from the moment he is introduced through the moment that we get to know him a little better? Well, Kwame is purportedly her husband's son mm-hmm. that she discovers by accident. Um, and apparently, I don't think I don't think Carl even knew it. And as it turned, oh, I won't say as it turns out, I won't even go there, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so he, as well as a lot of his family members, males, all males, come to the repast to his funeral. Excuse me, I'm sorry. And that's when that's when Loretha finds out a few days later that basically Carl is Kwame's son. Mm-hmm. And she's not disappointed to find out, find this out. She she embraces him, and he doesn't end up going back to Flint because he didn't really have much going on there. And um, she 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 takes him in, and he even moves in with her. She she allows him to move. She she gives him an apartment in their apartment building that they own. But first, he ends up moving in with her initially, mm-hmm. and she finds out. She gets him a job at her husband's construction company, and she ends up finding out that he's gay, and which she doesn't have a problem with at all. And um, she pretty much just loves him mm-hmm. and helps try to get him to stand on his to stand up. He goes, she, she he gets he gets enrolled in college. He doesn't in a junior college in L.A. He doesn't know what he wants to do with his life. He has a he fantasizes like most young people, and she just takes him in and embraces him and loves him. Right. Thank you so much, Terry. Um, I want to return to the title of your novel, It's Not All Downhill From Here, by pointing out another passage. Lo goes on a walk with her friend Corinthia, and Loretha asks, This may be completely out of left field, but do you have any regrets about your life? Hell yes, Corinthia says. I should have gone to college. How's that? Did you ever have dreams that you never told anybody about? Yes, Corinthia says, but I can't remember them. And then Loretha says, you are so full of shit. Make yourself remember. We're not too old to make changes. Terry, can you please talk about this concept of dreams and dreams deferred? And talk about how people get sidetracked and when, if ever, it is too late to return to these dreams. Well, I'll put it this way. Mm -hmm. I I just don't think that life... I really don't think that life is all downhill. Mm-hmm. I do not. Um, I think that we, some of us learn to accept responsibility for our own health, our own frame of mind, state of mind, um, and what we do with our time, the people that we have in our lives. And, you know, I think that, you know, there's such a stereotype about aging that it really is all downhill from here, that you're going to get just sick and die. And I just, I just, you know, I feel better now, I think, at 68 than I did at 48. Mm-hmm. 
to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Most of my thing, most of the fun I had when I was 48 was all external. A lot of the things that I've been doing, you know, going for a walk, when I walk the Rose Bowl 3.1 miles, when I get on an airplane, when I travel, when I do all kinds of things, the way that I eat, um, they're just, and the people that I have in my life, it just makes me realize that we can accept responsibility. We can change our minds. We can change our behavior. We can say, you know, I think I want to try that without thinking, oh, I'm too old, you know, to rollerblade, even though I never would. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, that there are just things that life isn't over at 50, at 60, at 70. You you know, and like I think Loretha says it, and if she doesn't, I do. I want to slide into home if I can. And I'm doing everything that I can to make myself happy to enjoy what's available and including right now staying in the house but i've got a thousand or so books in here i can choose from and i can escape or not escape um i can live with someone else or not but i just don't walk around every day thinking oh gee whiz i'm 68 years old and i shouldn't be doing this or you know i i just i just don't buy it you know i don't think anybody has a right to tell us how we are supposed to feel at a certain age, what we're supposed to do and not do, and nobody controls my sense of self and my joy except me. Fantastic. Thank you, Terry. And finally, looking at the acknowledgments in your novel, just like your characters, you seem to have a lot of friends who help you to carry through. Uh, Can you talk about the importance of your friends to your writing career, to your life, and to your sanity? <laughs> well, um, I have quite a few BFFs, some of whom I've had for 40 years. Mm. Um, I don't know very many of the people that I went to high school with because I left home when I was 17 mm. and moved to California. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have a lot of friends. My son is 35. One of my BFFs, she was in the hospital in New York City when he was born and I've known her 44 years I guess now but most of my friends I've known for a long time the ones that I've acquired over the years we we are we just sort of know we just know that we are not about bullshit we are we're 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 past the you know gossipy gossipy a lot of the things that we used to do when we were younger illegal things you know we are like just so past that and we value and cherish our friendship and most of my friends are like sisters they are like my sisters i they they, they're right up there with my sisters and in some cases i i I share things with my friends i would never tell my sisters Mm -hmm. but friendship is important and it is a sort of sisterhood and I, I love them. And, and if I'm feeling bad, I know I, there are a lot of people I can call. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Terry. Listeners, I have been speaking with Terry McMillan, author of It's Not All Downhill From Here, published by our friends at Ballantine Books. We will have copies with signed book plates at Quill Ridge Books. You can order those with free shipping, along with any other books that you like from www.quailridgebooks.com. Terry, thank you so much for joining me. You're quite welcome. Thank you. Once again, I would like to thank Terry McMillan for joining me. Signed copies of It's Not All Downhill From Here 
can be ordered at www.quailridgebooks.com with free shipping through the month of April. I would like to thank our sponsor, Libro FM Audiobooks. Please navigate over to Libro.fm and enter the promo code BOOKIN in the promo code space. That's B-O-O-K-I-N to get three months of audiobooks for the price of one. My name is Jason Jefferies, and this has been Bookin'.